Father God, we thank you. While we are waiting for you to show up, you're there, you're faithful to us, and you love us so much. And your greatest desire is to draw us to you. And you take such great initiative, Lord, with us. You took it by sending Jesus, your Son, to live amongst us as a man, to die for our sins, to rise again, so that we could have new life with you, God. And you work in us through your Holy Spirit, Lord, and and you do everything for us, Lord, so much for us. All we need to do is is say yes and, and just follow you, Lord. And I just pray that you'll help each and every one of us, Lord, to do that as we wait for Jesus to come again. Lord, help us to be spiritually prepared. I just pray, Lord, that you will take these little words, these crumbs that I bring, and make them into a spiritual meal for your people, dear Lord. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit is amongst us, Lord. And I just pray that you will find our hearts open and ready to receive. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. And... uh, It is nice uh, to be with you. Um, I am Reverend Steve Kennedy. The fellow who was here last month that you saw me was clean shaven. And, uh, you know, might as well just get that out of the way, you know, right now. Um, Obviously, you can see. So uh, I got a little lazy while I was on vacation and and, and didn't shave. And so, Spencer, my brother, I'll be catching up with you uh, in the next couple months, Lord, as as mine grows out, uh, you know, further. So... Richard, maybe by next Christmas I'll be up to your, to your stature and your level. So um, we, we will see. So, so yeah, but I won't compete with you for Santa Claus job, so don't worry. <laughs> I'm working on that, unfortunately. So it is, uh, it is nice to be back with you. Um, was away for a two-week vacation, which, so I'm... Uh, restored in in that way so uh um so it was great and then i was at uh, other churches the previous three weeks so it's been a long time and it's great to be back here uh with you so are you ready is that what it says up there this time it matches i think the last time i preached it had nothing to do with uh, what i was going to talk about so you know with me you never know so we'll, we'll we'll get into that more later um are you ready Okay, you don't even know I'm asking what you're ready for. You have a sense. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you do. Are you ready for Thanksgiving? We're eleven. No, Beverly Bill is expecting a big meal. You know. So, uh, are you ready for Thanksgiving? There are people making, you know, preparations. at, at Los Angeles Mission, we have a street event the day before Thanksgiving. So we're already, I think actually we've baked, we're actually baking our pies this year for the first time. So we've already baked all of those and, and frozen them because to serve three to 4,000 people, it takes, I don't know, eight, 500 pies or something. So, um, but people are getting ready so that folks like me can eat. Because you know I'm not preparing the the turkey dinner. Otherwise, uh, it'll be a little closer to fasting than uh, feasting. So, 
Actually, Spencer once said that several years ago when we baked turkeys for the, for the homeless. And uh, he questioned whether Father Charles and I could cook. Um, so, but when we look at the meal, you know, we know the things. Turkey, capon. Um, maybe there's other birds that, uh, that you have. But that's kind of the traditional ones. Um, and then, you know, you move on. You've you got stuffing and, or dressing, depending on how you want to call it. You know, I had to look up on the Internet some of these things so I knew what some of these things were. And there's all kinds of recipes for stuffing, you know, some like sage and onion. And then I like this one, the farmhouse herbed stuffing. And then somebody just had old-fashioned stuffing. I don't know what's in that. Then you have, you know, you move on to mashed potatoes, yams, sweet potatoes. I learned that sweet potatoes and yams are actually different. We won't go into that here. Uh, sweet, sweet potato casserole. You know, and then you, I love it when, when people put in those uh, marshmallows and what, sugar and oh, brown sugar. It's just great. Now, if you like fancy, something really fancy named, I found maple bacon pecan roasted butternut squash. That sounds really good. Actually, you know, I might actually be able to make that. Well, we won't audit that and find out. Um, then if you want the simple, th there was this tater tot side dish. I'm not making that up. That's actually the one I could handle. And then they had the ultimate side dish. Really wasn't that ultimate. It was uh, French green beans and potatoes. You know, st an elevated green bean casserole. And then, of course, you get on vegetables, green bean, corn, cream corn, corn pudding, carrots, broccoli, whole roasted onions, Brussels sprouts. Well, they make Brussels sprouts a whole lot better now, Spencer, than when you and I were kids. And when the only time I wanted Brussels sprouts is when we had a big Irish setter. Unfortunately, we only had him for a year and a half because he ate a lot of my vegetables. Because those Brussels sprouts, oh, those things were awful. But you couldn't swallow them because they were so big. You had to chew those things. Not like, you know, lima beans were tasted even worse, but at least those you could swallow with milk and you didn't have to taste them. So, and then, you know, I digress. And then there's hot rolls, cranberry sauce. And then, of course, we finish the dessert with pie, pumpkin, um, sweet potato pie, mincemeat pie, cherry, apple, maybe other fruits. And we'll find out where some of you are from. Anybody ever heard of shoe fly pie? Pennsylvania Dutch. And for those of you kind of laughing, oh, what kind of pie is that? Martha Stewart has a recipe for it, so that legitimizes that one. Okay, that's enough with Thanksgiving. And next month we have Christmas. Now, I don't really get prepared that much in advance, so I hope somebody is not already done with their shopping. But, you know, you, you prepare for that. And then, you know, we've got students. We've got some students in here. You prepare by going to class, doing your homework and studying for tests if you want to do well. And then we have sermons. Father Stu Jose studies. He takes time preparing during the week before he preaches his sermons on Sundays. Well, we don't know what Father Steve does, but, and we're not going to go into that here. Um, we've got musicians and actors. They train long and hard to perform before a crowd. They rehearse. You've got athletes who train and train and train mentally, of course physically, emotionally, before competing. Now, believe it or not, I ran three New York City marathons in the 1990s when I lived in New York. And I would train for six to eight months before running this 26-mile race, which just happened to be last Sunday. Um, and actually, the first time I ran it, when I didn't really know any better, I ran like eight miles a day, you know, six days a week for six to eight months. 
Actually, it took me a little while to build up to that. But I think you get the point. So I won't go on. Advanced preparation, hard work, training is required to get, get us ready, to get people ready to do great things. And also even just to serve a delicious Thanksgiving meal. In a similar fashion, in our Gospel, Jesus calls and warns all His disciples to prepare and to be ready for His second coming. Because Jesus closes today's Gospel reading by saying, Therefore, be alert, keep watch, because you don't know either the day or the hour that the Son of Man, the resurrected Jesus, is coming back to judge the world. Well, before we dive further into today's passage, let's go back to Matthew 24, beginning at the third verse. Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, and He has just said that... Uh, not in these direct words, but uh, that the temple that you see and that you admire here is going to be destroyed. So, and he's also been, you know, talking to him, talking to them, the disciples, about you know his uh, dying, and then you know coming back again. So the disciples naturally ask, "Tell us when will these things happen? When will the Jerusalem temple be destroyed, as you have said? And what is the sign of your coming?" and of the end of the age. So Jesus goes on to answer their questions, and I'll spare you those details, but then He tells them later on, mid-chapter around, I think it's uh, verse 36, that the Son of Man, no one knows when the Son of Man will come back. And that long prophesied day of the Lord's judgment will occur that was read in, uh, in, in Amos. Only God the Father knows. And Jesus says, He goes on to say, the people will be going about living their daily lives. When the Lord comes back again, some will be taken into the presence of God in heaven and others will be left behind. So in Matthew 24, verse 42, Jesus says, Therefore be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Do not postpone getting ready for Jesus' coming back to this world. Don't put off the things that God is calling you to do, the things God is calling me to do, us to do, because we don't know when the next day will be our last. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. Because it's not a question of if Jesus will come back, according to the Word of God. It's a matter of when. In today's Gospel, Jesus speaks a parable about a momentous event in the life of a family, in the life of two people, in the life of a community. And that's a wedding. All of us have been to weddings, and I believe all of us have had family members get married. There's, it's one of the highs of life is a wedding of a family member, a close friend, you know, whatever. And it's just and in you know the life of a of a church community, a community of, of people. And we have a wedding here. And for this wedding, many preparations have been made. The invitations have been sent out. The wedding clothes are ready. The banquet hall is set. In this case, not really a banquet hall. It's the bridegroom's uh, parents' home. And the wedding meal feast is being prepared. And actually, there's other feasts. The wedding day has arrived. The groom is ready to marry his bride. And in first century Israel, wedding processions 
that Jesus then goes on to speak about normally took place at night after dancing and feasting that had been occurring during the day. So they've already been dancing and feasting. And this wedding procession was a very important part of the wedding celebration. And it's where the wedding party was led from the bride's home to the groom's home where the formal marriage ceremony would take place and this final ultimate feast would occur. Now these weddings could, even, could go on beyond that day. They could last a week. But what Jesus is speaking about, this is the ultimate high point. The wedding ceremony would take place. And to do this, there's a it's night, it's dark. You know, they don't have street lights like we have. So, and they also they don't have flashlights that you just carry around. So, they have torch lights, and they needed people to carry those. And Jesus says there were ten maidens. That's what our Bible says. Other Bibles will say, you know, bridesmaids, virgins. These are young women in their teens, unmarried probably friend, uh, relatives uh, and friends of you know, the bride and the groom. And they were responsible for lighting the night with torches to, gui to guide the wedding party from the bride's home to the groom's home. And these torches, not quite like what, uh, what we have, and they didn't look like this either, but you know, let's just pretend, let's see what kind of a imagination that you all might have. Um, yes, I, I don't come with slides, so I have to, I have to do other things. So, um, and the Dory's like, oh no, he's going to spill that oil. So, let's just pretend, you know, I mean, this, you know, they're, it's a pole, you know, it's, that they're carrying. And then, you know, they've got like a cloth, and they're going to put this cloth, you know, they're going to soak it with oil. And actually, did I go a little too fast? Um... Yeah, okay. So, so this is what they would use you know, to, to light the night. And they are, as, as, G, as the story says, Jesus says, all of a sudden people speak, or you know, there's a shout that goes out, come on, the bridegroom is coming. Well, that doesn't mean you know, that he's like right there right that minute. So, and actually, the bridegroom has been delayed because all ten, we're told, are sleeping. Because this was common, and they didn't know exactly when he was coming. But G Jesus said that he had been delayed. But now he's coming. So the preparations needed to be made before. So you've got two sets. You've got people like Adore, who's all prepared. Just, you know, this is full enough. Let's just pretend this is full. Because we're told, and we're said it's olive oil. So this is actually pretty realistic. Although I don't think it's Trader Giotto's uh, extra virgin <laughs> olive oil that they're using. But, so Adori's very prepared. And then I'm not going to, I don't really want to put anybody else down, so I'm going to have to play the other uh, young maiden. And Stephanie, let's just call me Stephanie. And uh, Stephanie's here. Stephanie does not have a whole lot of oil. And Stephanie first has to soak the uh, cloth with the oil. So, as you can see, Stephanie's pretty much going to be out after the first, you know, dousing of it. And they had to keep repeating this. I mean, these, this light, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's up here. Um, this might only stay lit for like 15 minutes or so. so and it's going to take them a lot longer than 15 minutes to get from the bride's house to the groom's house. So, 
The five like me have got a real problem. We do not have enough oil. So we realize that. And then, so the first thing, what do you do? You don't have enough? I ask Adore. Adore, can I have some of your oil? And what does Adore say? No. Louder. No. No. <laughs> I do enough for you at the altar, Father Steve. You do all these things that I don't want you to do. You sometimes prepare communion to take to uh, people who can't come to church on your own, even though it's the last minute. No, you're supposed to tell me. No, Steve, I've done, I do enough for you. No, no, that's, that's actually not why. Adore's not being selfish. Adore has to fulfill her responsibility. And actually, all five of them. Because the problem is, if she gives me enough to help me, She's going to run out of oil. I'm going to run out of oil. And the problem is there's going to be no torches. There's going to be no light. And then the wedding party's not going to get where they need to go. Because five of these ten maidens, they didn't bring enough oil. So they didn't even have enough that was going to last until the bridegroom arrived. They failed to do the one thing they were asked to do. And that was to bring oil and a torch. I mean, they're going to the wedding, but their one job they fail to do. And in doing this, they're greatly insulting the bride, the groom, their families, by not being prepared to help light the way for the wedding procession. And remember what I said, this wedding procession was, or actually I didn't say it, but it was very impressive. And it was, in, it was so important because it took them to where the marriage ceremony was going to take place and the ultimate feast. So that's why, and it seems kind of harsh when we look at, at, verse, at verse 10. So the, the, the wedding party goes there. The five maidens are lighting the way. They get to the groom's home. They go inside, and the door shuts. And there's a big transition in verse 10. And then verse 11 tells us the unprepared versions, like the maidens like me, came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. That's very harsh. But it all, what it does tell us is that's not what would be realistic to be said if, you know, at a wedding. I'm, they probably would let them in. Maybe. I mean, maybe not. But certainly not. I don't know you, but this is where we move from Jesus' parable about the wedding to Jesus coming back again. Um, and then it's, it's similar. There's where when Jesus comes again and that day of, of judgment comes, people will say, Lord, Lord, and Jesus will say, I, I don't know you. You didn't, you didn't do anything with me while you lived on this earth. I invited you in, you, you, didn't, you didn't come. I, I knocked on your, you know, I, I pursued you, I was always there. I, I, did, not, I did not come. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know you. And in this case, the maidens missed the wedding. And as we know, and as we go back in, in 24, and what Scripture tells us is not everybody 
is going to be at that final marriage feast, that supper of the Lamb. It's all about what we did with Jesus while we live here on earth. And this isn't the first place that Jesus says this. Truly I say to you, I do not know you. He said this in Matthew 7, uh, verses 21 to 23. And like in Jesus' parable, the bridegroom was delayed. Jesus may seem delayed to us. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. So, to join the wedding festivities when Jesus comes again, we must be prepared. And we must be more prepared than just saying, Lord, Lord, at the end of our lives or when Jesus comes again, whichever takes place first. And, you know, we're here. You're here. You're here faithfully every week. Most of you have said yes to Jesus. But... Jesus calls us to do you know, so much more. He calls us to live in obedience to God. He's given us these Scriptures to, um, to enlighten us. He's given us His Holy Spirit to help illuminate these Scriptures to us. He makes, God makes Himself available to us in prayer. God speaks to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to get as much of Him as we can. And he, he doesn't want us, He wants us to live right and to think right in the ways of God. But that doesn't mean that we have to be perfect because, of course, we know we can't be perfect. But we do have to be prepared and we need to keep preparing ourselves and, and we kind of grow in our walk with Christ and we grow as disciples. And what we should be saying, you know, our goal, um, our goal is that, you know, we're on a progressive journey up. There's such a great distance between us and God, between us and Jesus Christ. But the great thing is we will never, this walk with Christ is so exciting because it's just unlimited how much we can grow in Him, how much more we can learn about him he wants to reveal he reveals himself to us and we need to be actively feeding on christ you know like the food that we eat because this is our spiritual bread so in this parable the one we have today jesus doesn't really tell us anything he just says be prepared he doesn't tell us anything about how we do it and i'm not going to tell you any great you know, profound things. I've told you some of the, you know, the, 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 the basic ways that we, that we do it, but there's so much more. But Father Jose will probably go into more of these things the next two weeks as we continue. He's got two more parables left in Matthew 25 that speak about ways that we prepare for Jesus' second coming. I'm just going to highlight the important point of each parable. The next parable we have is the parable of the talents. And here Jesus teaches that God expects His followers to be faithful with their time, their talents, and their treasures. We're to be faithful with, with what God has given us. And giving financially to our local church, the church we call home, is one important way that we live this out. That's the message of Covenant uh, Sunday, you know, two weeks ago. But, you know, that's just the, the, the one part. We give all that we are 
to God's kingdom purposes. And then Jesus goes on in Matthew 25 to the parable of the sheep and the goats. And Jesus teaches that God expects his followers to help and care for other people in need in our community as well as our families. Jesus there instructs his disciples then and his disciples now that his followers should feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to take in the stranger, to pray and care for the sick, and to visit the prisoner. This is the mission of nonprofit organizations like Los Angeles Mission, where I work, Union Rescue Mission, the Salvation Army, and others. And we don't do that work alone. We depend on thousands of people to help us in this life-giving and life-saving task by volunteering, by giving financially, by praying for our work and the needy people that we serve. And, and you know, we serve the poor and the homeless, but a lot of our people, a number of them, they come, they've been in prison, they may have criminal records, and some of them come directly there, you know, from prison. They're either released or they have a choice. You either go to, you either go to a rehabilitation program or you go, you know, to prison, depending on what their offense is. And we do some of these things here at St. David's. I believe it's the end of this month or soon. We did it back in August, was it? You know, we are going to, this church, along with the Seventh-day Adventist church, are going to host several families who are, who are homeless through family, family promise to help them as they, you know, um, get back on their feet and, and hopefully get into a home, get into employment as family promise helps them with those things that they need. Churches like us, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and other places of uh, worship house the people during the week so that they're not you know, sleeping on the street. We feed uh, the hungry. I believe it's the last Sunday of the month. And this is one of our scriptural motivations for doing, for doing these things. And it's part of what I believe it was two weeks ago, I think it was that uh, um, that your the, the uh, gospel passage was love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And these are some of the most tangible ways that we that we do that. Well, we, as the people of Saint David's, we worship as a community, and we are there to help each other to grow as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. But this passage tells us that we can't rely on the spiritual preparedness of others. You know, we're, we're in, it's, a, it's kind of, you know, there's two parts of it. We, we have our walk with Jesus individually, but we also walk in community with others. And we are called to live Jesus, to share Jesus, to teach Jesus, and to take Jesus to others. That's the mission statement of St. David's. And... You know, we do that to help people in this church to grow and to be prepared for what God has in store, what this world throws our way each and every day, week, month, to help us go through the highs, the lows, the, the challenges, the pain, you know, the afflictions that we may have, the, the joys, all of that stuff, you know, as, as people inside the church, but we also do that to take that outside of this church as well so that we can help others to be prepared for when Jesus comes again. Because when Jesus comes back, 
and the day of our Lord arrives, each person will be held accountable for what we did with Jesus Christ and how we followed the rule and reign of God. We'll be held accountable for our lifestyles, for our priorities. Did we put the kingdom of God priorities ahead of worldly priorities? Because each one of us needs to have a faith that's sufficient on our own. We need our own oil, like the maidens had who lit the torches in preparing the way for the bridegroom. We cannot rely on the faith of others. And our faith needs to be one that is real, strong, and growing. So I want to ask you again, are we ready? Yes. Yes. We got one. Yes. Yes. And are we getting more and more ready? Yes. And should that be our life pursuit? Yes. Because that question is one of the most important questions in life. After, and it's part, I mean, it's, it plays a role, but after we're saying, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to follow you, then we're in the practice of getting ready for our Lord, growing in discipleship. Because our call is to live for Jesus with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength today, tomorrow, and forever, so that we will all be ready when Jesus comes again. Amen.